This episode was recorded on January 10th, 2021. Our topic for today, Alibaba. start with news of the week yeah so obviously what we're talking about has been perfectly titled in this tech crunch article called the deep platforming of president trump mm-hmm. so michael what happened this week it was specifically yeah. wednesday yeah so uh there was a national tragedy this wednesday a armed group of insurrectionists uh domestic terrorists uh, stormed the u.s capitol on the day that the Senate and Congress was convening to affirm the election of the Electoral College results, Congress and Senate had to be evacuated. Uh, there was widespread looting, vandalism. Uh, a police officer, a Capitol police officer, uh, was was killed, and it's uh, one of the greatest national tragedies of recent memory, for sure. Our thoughts are definitely with the families. Of, uh, of that police officer uh, who tragically you know, lost his life in the line of duty. So yeah, the, the story now, that's uh, the tech aspect of this, is the outgoing president of the United States, Andre Trump, has been deplatformed, if you will. So because of the loss of life, the tragedy, and the, the clear violence that could be incited by President Trump's words, multiple different social media platforms and technology companies decided to remove him from their platforms. So the list of platforms now, of course, is, what's that full list, Johnny? I think it's, uh, I think it stands at Facebook, Twitter, Google, Spotify, Snapchat, Instagram, Shopify, which has removed his official campaign merchandise uh, uh, what's the store? Yeah, Pinterest, Reddit, Twitch. Uh, what else? What else? YouTube. Yeah, the YouTube and hilarious enough, TikTok. Uh, the the very company that President Trump had tried to ban from the United States back in August or back in July now. But yeah, and further, the the social media app Parler, which. Uh, was moved off of the Android App Store. Apple put it under significant investigation. And AWS apparently just dropped support for its uh, its backend. So the first company to take action against it was, Ch- uh, was not China, uh, was Google. Google uh, banned and pulled uh, the Parler app from uh, the Play Store, you know, uh, I believe for saying that uh, inciting violence and so on and so forth. Apple was apparently in conversation with Parler. And uh, what I've read from it was that Apple was basically saying, hey, look, you need to provide- go moderate us. yourself. Right? right, go moderate yourself and provide us with your policy so that you, we know we can keep you. And then of course, Apple ended up banning them, I think yesterday, because they, did, mm. they were not convinced that they had a proper moderation oh, okay, policy. so there is a full ban now, okay. Last yeah, I read last night, it was still in investigation, but okay, there's a full ban. I, I, yeah, so I read that it's been pulled from Apple. And then the latest, which was last night, was AWS has now pulled them. And I think that was for similar reasons. They were basically, you know, where's your moderation? This is what you're inciting. Um, and I also want to add this. So uh, Parler itself actually 
removed content because some Trump loyalists, I think it was a lawyer or something, said that uh, Pence uh, should be executed for his treason. So even Parler has a limit to how much they're willing to yes. to keep on their so yes as of platform as of 13 hours ago parlor was removed from the apple app store and as of uh 15 hours ago par oh sorry as of three hours ago officially uh parlor was uh removed AWS. from aws yep right right um so yeah so they have to look for a new hosting company but not sure I'm not sure, sure if they also got their domain from AWS because uh, that's another thing. But yeah, so anyways, this is also, of course, affecting Parler. And then people are now saying this is um, restriction of uh, private speech. This is censorship. Amongst your right to private speech, there is no right to any speech that incites violence or harm onto others. That's why no one as a criminal walks into court and says, well, you know, my conspiracy, my conspirators and I, our conversation, our plan to murder this man, that was private speech officer. It's unadmissible in court or sorry. Uh, that was private speech, your honor. It's unadmissible in court. Right. But uh, also, uh, I mean, let's take that example in, in today's world, right? Essentially these social media platforms are our town hall, if you will. Right. Um, so, it's one thing if you and I behind closed doors plotted something, maybe we didn't do it, but we plotted it, right? If there's a recording, you know, then, you know, we'll, you'll see us in court. But there's a difference in if, if you and I were on a Facebook page plotting this out loud, right? Because that's the equivalent of, you know, a mini town hall, right? You're sharing your, it might not be your, well, it's going to be, anyways, I'm not, we're not legal people here, but it's, you're sharing your intent, right? You're saying, hey, let's plan this, let's execute on this plan, right? And you're not saying it behind closed doors because these social media platforms are public, right? Right. Um, okay. So I, have, I do have another story because the start of this week was very promising and people were very excited about 2021, but two days later, they weren't. So Slack went down. It joined the big Oh, yes. Right? <laughs> it saw AWS went down. It saw Google went down. It was like, hey, we can do this. And let's see how many people's job we can disrupt. It was down for a multiple. It was down for a mo over a day, wasn't it? Uh, it? For several hours from 7 a.m. Pacific to about 2 p.m. Pacific, 12. And so what, 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 if anything, were people doing? What were you doing, Johnny, instead of using Slack? What else is there? Except email. I was staring lost at my computer. Yes, yes. People ping me, telling Clearly. me what to do. Yep. And I got used to that. Jira is yep. just not enough anymore. So, yep. uh, and then of course I was seeing all the different reactions. So people are like, 2021 is off to a nice start. This is promising. Mm -hmm. And then Wednesday happened. Mm -hmm. But yes. And yet, to, to the, I've, I've been still looking around, but Slack has yet to give an explanation of why it's gone down. Uh, I was about to say, it's like they got acquired and everyone quit. Yeah. Well, we did say when they got acquired, they, they started slacking and now you see it. I'm pretty sure they're like, well, we, we got the money. We're done. I know. They're like, it's like, oh, we're Long part of what? Salesforce now. It's Long like, we're what? part of Salesforce now. Let me, uh, let me, let me check. No, on call, while they're on call, they've been uh, just updating their resume. <laughs> Mark Benioff like, is now responsible for this ship. 
It's like, how long until, uh, how long until I can leave? What's the retention policies? It's, I mean, with Salesforce acquiring you, usually it's when your, your stock is going to become Salesforce stock and that's higher than Slack stock. So that'll keep people around. And then they'll give you like a one-year package to retain you until, and until uh, basically they feel they can fill your company with half Salesforce people and get rid of you anyways. So uh, the Slack people will still be around, but yes, how incentivized are they? <laughs> To do what they were doing when they were an independent company, who knows? Yeah, but um, no, I mean, on all jokes aside, uh, there was there was things we, like we during standup we were like, hey, okay, we got to meet afterwards. Let's figure this out. And then of course Slack was just non-responsive. So the stuff that we were supposed to do to troubleshoot didn't happen, and nobody bothered sending a single email. I so, was about to say. So whatever did you do, Johnny, without this of instant ability? to uh what was about to say to to slack people i got caught up in my emails ah yep yep it was my first day back and i was like all right Mm -hmm. let me see what's been happening Mm -hmm. so yeah but yes yes that other thing that slack was supposed to kill so (laughs) i i mean it made me think like okay and now as i said out loud i realized it kind of killed email in the sense that there's a new generation of workers that have grown up the a nice interface. It's not like we didn't have IM tools before, right? There was Skype for business. There was Link. Um, then now we have Teams on Microsoft side and Google has its own cadre of tools. Uh, but uh, Slack was the one that was, what is this? Uh, this whole brought more of a consumer feel experience interface to see um, see, enterprise tools. I was there for this transition. And I actually think that (laughs) we've lost much in this because do you know what, do you know what tool I no longer have? And this took me a while when I joined the the latest company I'm a part of, I got to my desk and I was like, wait a minute, there's no phone on this desk. I just thought, Oh, don't you have a company phone? No. No, 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 no phone on my desk. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, 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 got yes. Yeah, so yeah. what I used to do at old companies is like I'll send someone, and we had different messaging services even before Slack was a thing, but I sent someone an email. It's like, ah, can't reach them. Calling their phone. All right. Yeah, you got your desk? Yeah. That's true. That's true. Mm. All right. That, that's it. That's it for news of the week. What is our main topic? Yes, Johnny. So our main topic for today, moving on. We are going to do our Rich Tech, Poor Tech analysis for Alibaba. So first, we'll start with what is Alibaba, uh, history and important people. And then we'll go into, finally, an assessment of whether Alibaba is rich tech or poor tech. So, Johnny, as Mr. Amazon, I will give you the right to explain first what Alibaba is. So Alibaba is the world's largest retailer and e-commerce company. As of 2020, uh, third quarter, it has 750 million plus users. Um, Should have said more than 750 million users. And then it has, as of 31st March, 2020, it has 117,600 employees. Um, Alibaba, you're right, is most of the time, well, you know, when you're trying to explain to people, you want to simplify it. And so you just want to be like, hey, it's an e-commerce, Who's the e-commerce giant of the West? Amazon. It's the Amazon of the East, the Chinese Amazon. But it is so much more than that. To really understand Alibaba Group, right? Because mm-hmm. there is Alibaba, like the business Alibaba. Right, right. you have to Alibaba, Alibaba T-Mall, Baobao, and all those right. things. Right, right. 
Um, at a high level, the way to understand it, and we'll break it down as we go into the business later, but basically it's a combination of Amazon, eBay, PayPal, oh. and has even aspects of Google into it. Um, huh. And it's in, it's interesting. You can't directly compare it and say it's like an Amazon. It's so much, it's even completely different. So I'll give you another difference of why uh, at a fundamental level, it's not similar to Amazon. What is Amazon known for? Amazon has invested over the years billions of dollars in building its warehouses, right? Right. As it expands and its whole thing. Prime shipping. Same day shipping. Right. And then they started with two day shipping. Now they're down to one day shipping. And in some places within hours, they can deliver, you know, food, alcohol uh, products to your door, right? Um, That's been what has defined Amazon, a huge investment in warehousing. And over time, they, they will be able to reach anybody within minutes, hours, and days very, very quickly, right? Alibaba we actually- can, Almost sounds like a threat. It's like, we, you're, we will find you. We, regardless of where you are, we can, get you, we can get to you in a few hours. Where the FBI fails, we succeed. There we go. Everyone is gonna to need to, be deliver, to deliver something to their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, so, uh, so how is this different from Alibaba? Or rather, what has Alibaba done? Alibaba actually has no warehouses and no inventory. It just focuses on building the software platform, right? Actually, in a way, when I was reading about it, it felt more like a Shopify to me than an Amazon. Alibaba just focuses on the software platform, right? They're not trying to sell anything. They're just trying to make it easier for for businesses, both large and small, to get into that space. And they actually have three verticals really quickly. They started with Alibaba, which is business to business, right? So they were... um, they started with import-export, right? They were going to connect Chinese uh, businesses with folks outside of China that were looking to buy Chinese products. That's, a, that's what they started. And later they did Taobao, which is actually consumer to consumer, right? Which is actually the, the one that's most similar to Amazon and eBay in the sense mm-hmm. that now they've enabled small businesses to sell on their platform. And then later they introduced Tmall, which is business to consumer, but with a specific focus of selling branded products aimed at Chinese, mm-hmm. at the China's growing middle class. Right. Got it. So you can see Got already it. how they're so different from Amazon. Got it. So this is, yeah, this is not the Amazon. This is to, to call it the Amazon of China would be a misnomer is, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got it. Got it. All right, then let's get into the history of, of, uh, of Alibaba. And I think the really here talking about the history of Alibaba, you can't not talk about the history of Jack Ma, the, the founder of Alibaba who has an incredibly unique, in a lot of ways, endearing story. I think I, I, when I was doing this research, on I think I phrased it to you as such, which is Jack Ma could have only ever become himself or a complete failure that achieved absolutely nothing. There was no middle ground for him. So let's talk about his story. So Jack Ma was born in Hanzhou, China. His parents were musicians, and he grew up in a predominantly working class or lower class family because of it. And from a young age, there were many critical decisions slash, what's the word, opportunities, if you will, that were presented to him, or rather opportunities that he took that indelibly affected his life. So what was one of those? Uh, Jack Ma used to go to the Hanzo International Hotel. So he would go to this hotel and he would start to learn English, if you will, by biking the tourists around. So this is, if you imagine like a bike and a carriage behind that bike, he would bike some 20 kilometers a day with these tourists and show them around Hanzo 
Wachonzo, of course, famous for Westlake and uh, tea farms and all these different areas that are quite scenic and beautiful. And through that way, he'd learn English. So if you listen to Jack Ma speak, he doesn't sound like he has a very thick accent, or at least not an accent that matches other people from his generation, from China, India, or any other country that doesn't have English as a main language. And the way that he developed that, as I said, was going to these hotels and giving tours to people. Then further, he'd become pen pals with these tourists to continue to practice his English. And that is actually where he learned, and that's actually where these pen pals, these tourists, were the ones who gave him the nickname Jack. That's a little bit about his early life and kind of the, the key uh, life-changing decisions and the, and the early opportunities that he took. Uh, but to say that the traditional path to success was not easy to Jack Ma, I would say it was an understatement. I think a lot of Jack Ma's story is a story of resiliency and a story of triumph through failure. And he's experienced a whole bunch of failure in his life. So let's break it down for us, Michael. Break yeah, it down so let's, for us. let's break that down. So in China and in a lot of other countries, you have to test to get into all the, all the schools, certainly college, which is the most famous, you know, the Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and Indian uh, college admissions testing is famous for being overly stressful. But even for middle school, high school, primary school, you have to test to get in for some schools. So Jack Ma failed the primary school examination two times before finally passing. He failed the middle school examination three times before passing. And it took three times again for him to pass his entrance exams uh, for Hanzo Normal University, as it's now called. And at one point, out of a possible 120 points on the math portion of the college entrance exam, Jack Ma acquired or was able to obtain a massive one point out of 120 in, uh, in that part of the test. So you know that old misnomer that people always say, it's like, oh, hey, it doesn't matter if you don't do well in school. Albert Einstein didn't do well in school, right? I think we need to update that. It doesn't matter if you can't do well in school. Jack Ma got a one out of 120 on a standardized test to get into university. Uh, but yes, he was able to, like I said, on the third time, eventually go to university where he got a BA in English. And after, uh, after university, he went into the job search. Well, he applied for HBS 10 times, Johnny. You know how many times he got accepted to HBS? HBS is Harvard Business School. Harvard Business School, yes. Do you know how many times he got accepted? 10 times. No. <laughs> There's a reason why Jack Ma is not famous Harvard Business School alum. That's true. I bet you he's been invited to speak at HBS 10 he, times. He's been invited to speak to HBS multiple times, but yes. He famously stated that he applied and was rejected by HBS on 10 separate occasions. During his job search, he was rejected from over 30 different jobs and companies, including he applied to be a part of the police force, right? Uh, out of five possible applicants, four were accepted into the police force. Guess who was the fifth? Jack Maher. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He even lost a job to his own wait, uh, so his own cousin. Him and his cousin applied together to try to become a waiter 
And his, they did an assessment, you know, we'll go through an interview, see, hey, they assess you on different things. His assessment scores were far greater than his cousins. And again, of him and his cousin, one of them was selected to become a waiter. Guess who that was? Not Jack Ma. Exactly. And finally, Johnny, do you like KFC? Uh, on a rare occasion. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, of all the fast food chains, I wouldn't say KFC is you know, my best, but KFC is really big in, in China, certainly Singapore, Asia in general, and Japan as well. Um, and when KFC came to China, they were hiring, right? They were hiring for staff, logistics, everything, right? And 24 people, along with Jack Ma, applied just to work at KFC. And of those 24 people, 23 got accepted to work for KFC. Guess who was the 24th, Johnny? Jack Ma. Yeah. So that's why I said, Johnny, literally, this man could have only either turned out to be who he is today or an abject uh, failure, if you will, in terms of his career. So I, I will, I will, let me interject here and say it was actually his English skills. Yes. That opened the up the door for him. Exactly. That thing that he as a child took the initiative to go learn was the thing that ultimately opened up that door for him. Yeah. And again, like I said, John, there's, there's that concept. It's almost destiny. He was not meant to be anything else except Jack Ma. Um, That's right. So, so yes. Yeah, so, so let's talk about now the, the kind of the, the company, uh, how, he, how he got into internet tech, right? How does an English teacher become the founder of one of the largest tech companies in the world? Well, 1995, uh, Jack Ma was able to visit the United States and that was where he was introduced to the internet. But he um, also, just to interject here, he, he was able to go to the U.S. as an interpreter yes. for a government project because yes. of his English speaking Exactly. Skills. Exactly. And again, that, that no school gave him those skills. Again, all of the schools that he failed to get into didn't give him those skills. Uh, but yes, uh, in 1995, he was introduced to the internet and search engines. And I think if you think about 1995, that was like AltaVista and other, and other search engines like that. Ask, I think, maybe was around back then. But he made a search that any of us just jumping on the internet would have made. He searched for beer uh, because, well, his story is it's it a really easy to spell word, beer. So he searched for beer and he wanted to find, hey, where in like what Chinese beers are there? You know, what type of what type of beer is being made in China? And he realized in early 90s internet, there was no information. There was no information about Chinese beers or Chinese businesses on the entire internet. And he realized that that is an opportunity. So he actually, in a short period of time, over the next year, was able to create a web page that documented different Chinese businesses. And it was called China Page. Yeah, it was successful enough that he actually opened an office in Beijing, right? Yes. Uh, which is, of course, a big deal. But then he realized that the idea wasn't exclusive. There was other people already working on that. So yeah, there's only so much Chinese beer. Now there's more, but man, when I, I could tell you back in the eighties and that there's only so many Chinese beers, man. Yes. But, but all right, back to Jack Ma. So February, 1999, he invited 17 colleagues and he shared the idea of a digital platform 
which he claimed would revolutionize the internet industry. And the idea that he got was to build an import-export business. And that is what led to the creation of Alibaba.com. I remember back in the 90s, the prevailing joke was, oh, everything's made in China. Where it's like made in China, made in China, everything's made in China. You look at your remote, it's made in China. Look at your TV, it's made in China. Look at your clothes, it's made in China. It's like, oh, everything was made in China. Because in the practices of the Chinese economic policies, from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, China was the world's factory in a way. China was the, the, an area of cheap labor. And because of that, China had all these factories producing all these goods. So I want to point out that the key cultural or uh, environmental difference or ecosystem difference for founding a company like Alibaba in China was that the manufacturing does not require a, sh- a shipping container to bring it to you or a container ship to bring it to you. The manufacturing might be right next door to you. Yeah. So in 1999, Jack Ma and 17 friends and students yeah. formed Alibaba. A- yes. Yes, in his apartment, of all places, they received a twenty-five million dollar investment from Goldman Sachs, a uh, Goldman Sachs, and SoftBank. And to talk about the failures again, yes, twenty-five million dollars—that's great, right? Uh, no VC in Silicon Valley wanted to touch this. In two thousand three, maybe seeing the early success of eBay and the success of Amazon, uh, they launched Hallball Marketplace, which is and. Alipay, Alimama, and Lynx. Alipay and Talbot are the main ones that are still around. But that became its now consumer-to-consumer selling product. So it's no longer just all bulk. So that is where it became more like eBay, as we mentioned. From those early beginnings, they continued to grow significantly uh, in terms of becoming one of the largest tech companies in the entire world. I just want to move to the keys to success. Just some of the things I took away from my research. Um, yeah, some of them we already touched upon. What made this place successful? Yep. So first off, um, similar to a company we previously covered, Tencent, they were founded around the time that the internet was becoming more widely available to Chinese consumers, the Chinese market, right? Um, we we mentioned that uh, Jack Ma when he went to the U.S. in '95, where the internet wasn't prevalent, but it was, it was being spread out. And if you, you know, I think, I don't know if that was when we had internet cafes, but he was obviously able to get access to the internet and realize that there was a lack of, you know, China there, right. Or, or awareness about China. Right. So it started at a time when internet adoption in China was growing. So it's been one of the successful companies because in part, it's been able to ride this trend as everybody gets online, they're able to use these services, right? So that's much like, you know, much like the American super giants of Facebook, Microsoft, Google, right. uh, and exactly. so on and so forth. Exactly. Amazon. I, yep. Yeah. The other smart move I, I would say is that even though, you know, Jack, Jack Ma's vision was initially this import export business, um, they didn't start by going consumer to consumer, right? Because obviously there weren't enough consumers online, right? So they actually started by connecting manufacturers in China with foreign companies looking for Chinese products, right? They're the Alibaba part of their business model, right? That's what they started with, which was a smart move because then that you can build a successful business and then you can grow from there. And then later, as I mentioned, they weren't the first consumer to consumer. That was EachNet, which partnered up with eBay. And at, at that point, they controlled 85% of the consumer e-commerce market. Uh, Alibaba created Taobao. And what it did was 
What I realized at the time is that it needed to incentivize them to come online. It was the early days of the internet. They needed to have the confidence and the willingness to come online. So where eBay, EachNet charged folks uh, for posting on their platform, uh, Alibaba made it free to post on Taobao. And that's actually their business model to this day, right? And that's how they were able to get a lot of merchants to start posting their products and services on Taobao and people to start buying it. Um, so I think that was, and of course that eventually led to, I think 10 years later, by 2008, uh, 2009, uh, each net had 7% of the market and Taobao had over 80% of the market. Johnny though, let me ask this question. Because we, the reason why we wanted to spend so much time talking about Jack Ma, the founder, is I want to ask how much of Alibaba's success did we attribute to being in the right place at the right time? And how much of it do we attribute to Jack Ma? To, or if I give anyone else the starting point of Alibaba, could have anyone else taken Alibaba and made it into what it is today? I want to say no. Um, Could I see a company being very successful, like if Alibaba was started by somebody else as a successful business to business all the way through? Maybe, absolutely. But this is a company... Uh, and really quickly, just to, to touch on this, right? They have Alibaba, which is business to business. They have Taobao, which is consumer to consumer, uh, similar times on eBay. And that business model there is actually, it's free to use, but they make money from display and search advertising, which is yep. essentially, it's like the Google of e-commerce, right? So people are are bidding on keywords to get attention for their products, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tmall, which is their business to consumer, aiming at uh, selling branded products aimed at China's middle class. And then right mm-hmm. as they, I think around the time they IPO'd, they created 11main.com, which is yep. a shopping website for the US market, right? Which is where they're directly competing with the likes of, of Amazon and eBay on their turf, right? And then now more recently, they have a Alian, which is their uh, cloud computing, Alibaba mm-hmm. Cloud, as yep. it's called, right? So I would say that somebody would have been very successful at potentially the Alibaba, the business to business part. But I don't, I think somebody with Jack Ma's visionary would have to be the one to expand it and create all these verticals and realize they're, they're in the business of, hey, we're in the business of building software platform, right? We're I mean, not just restricted look, to e-commerce. Go if, I was, if I would scale of one to 10 between how light, like one is super likely, I was like, oh yeah, everyone would have done this. To 10, it's like, there's no way anyone would do, would do this. Like, I'd put it as a five because I would do it. I would do it. Okay. okay. Um, I'm reminded of uh, another example is Uber. Uber actually started not as a ride-sharing company, but like a private taxi company for very rich people. In I was about to say as a flex? <laughs> they, as yes, a flex. as a flex. It's like, there hey, look at those black cars. It okay. wasn't only after Lyft got into the ride-sharing that Uber looked at them and were like, wait a minute, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And they pivoted. Right. Right. So, okay. Okay. So that's when you see somebody it's because think about it. If you already, what is Alibaba providing again? Right. It's a software, right? They built a software to connect uh, one group of folks with another group of folks. And this in the Alibaba case, right. It's Chinese manufacturers with folks in, in foreign countries that want Chinese produced products. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you just built the software and you're not actually managing the inventory or anything, it's not such a hard leap to say, hey, I can expand this software and get into another similar vertical. Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, somebody has something to sell and somebody has something to buy, right? Right. That okay. could, I, maybe the Alibaba, the Alipay thing could be a bit of a stretch, but even that makes sense. Okay. Let me add one more wrinkle into this before we rate. It's like, hey, 
you know, zero to 10, how likely was this? Um, Chinese credit system does not exist the way that American credit system are. There is no, there is no large proliferation of credit cards, even to this day, people do not use credit cards as much as they use charge cards. Like debit and, cards? Uh, yeah, deb, well, the equivalent of American debit cards, but they're called charge cards mm. in other places. Right. Um, but yes, so if we think about it that way, how, if I make, okay, if I go from, because what we're trying to find is like, okay, what was that key successful decision? If I go from B2B, Alibaba, to C2C now, uh, what was it called? Talbal. Is that the driving factor that makes it so clear that now I also need Alipay? Because it's not big company to big company or big company to manufacturer with invoices anymore. Because I remember early days, that was invoices. You had, to, you had to call them to get an invoice and then do bank transfers and wire transfers. But people to people, you can't do that. That's not going to work. Right. And if you don't have credit cards, the same problem that eBay ran into. If you don't have credit cards and you don't want to do this and you don't want to do a bank transfer and don't... And that's more complicated because it requires all this effort. You need your own payment system to kind of do it. So I would say that if five is going from Alibaba to Talbal, then once you have Talbal, going from Talbal to needing Alipay is like a two or three. It's, inc- it's incredibly likely that, that you're, that you're going to need something like that. So I would actually, yeah, I would actually say that the key distinctive decision was being Alibaba and saying that's not enough for us. We're also now Talbal. Yeah, I I would say that by the fact that not only is there not another Chinese company that can do this, because JD is not this, right? It's like JD is online. Exactly, more familiar with them. It's like JD is not this. Uh, Yes, JD is also doing some Yelp stuff, but it's not this. No American company has ever managed to do this. No, I don't see a European tech conglomerate that's ever managed to do this, what Alibaba has. So I would say that it's not, it's, if it's not the country, not the environment, not the, uh, what was I about to say? Not the time, not the, uh, and not the specific industry. It has to be the person. Uh, yeah, and I, again, I think that's why uh, Jack Ma is has had at a global level a very positive um, reputation, right? Uh, mm-hmm. He's looked upon favorably. Uh, he's he's also a movie star. He funded his he funded his own kung fu movie with like Jet oh. Li and Jackie Chan and an all star cast. Hey, why not? Why not? I mean, if I have that um, much money, if I have that much money, I'll go. I'll go play one on one with LeBron James. There, there you go. There you go. Rich yes. tech or poor tech, Michael? Yes, let's, let's, do, let's wrap this up. Yes, let's wrap this up with our assessment of Alibaba's rich tech, poor tech. So, of course, for this specifically, we're going to consider Ant as a separate entity, which is why we haven't talked about the antitrust or uh, or the monopoly trials recently. That's next episode. Yes, yes. No, no, that's what I said. Next week. Yes. Um, so, for rich tech and poor tech, we're going to judge this purely based on Alibaba as a as an entity outside of Ant Financial. All right, so let's look at the first pillar of rich tech, poor tech for Alibaba, Johnny, and that is the industry that Alibaba is in. Johnny, what industry is Alibaba in and traditionally has that been rich or poor? 
It's in everything, and everything is rich. But, <laughs> but hold on, hold on. Um, no. This I I thought about this for a while. They're not really in manufacturing at all. In fact, yeah, they're not in manufacturing. They are they're software. In, they're in contracts between manufacturers via software. Right, right, right. But you're right. It's like that's the knock we had on Amazon. Amazon is in warehousing. Is Alibaba in warehousing? Or at least no, traditionally. It's not because it doesn't carry any inventory. It doesn't have any warehouses. So essentially it's an accounting, it's an accounting and contracting uh, it's accounting and contract Platform. drafting firm. If yeah. if there was no internet, there'll be yeah, there'll be accounting, sales, and right. there'll be an accounting firm essentially. Right. Or but it's not firm. like they have but it's not like they have a hundred thousand people drafting those contracts too, right? Right. Uh, I mean they might. They, they might have a hundred thousand workers, but they're not but they're not if you look under contracts. the hood, they're, they're secretly hundred percent a manual laborer. <laughs> Alibaba, industry that's in. Uh, it's IT, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't you just basically consider this IT facilitating uh, e-commerce? Yes. The reason I the or commerce, I should say. Yeah. The reason I'm so hesitant about this is you ought, some instinct makes you want to say that there's poor tech and manual. There isn't. There really isn't. This is it's a software company. It's a logistics company. There is no manual labor involved because they're not actually factory worker. There's no, there's no factories here. There's no warehouse here. This nope, is they're even, not running any ports. They're not they're not a typical import export, which is yep. you have warehouse, you have the shipping lanes, you have the relationships. Yep. They're just purely the software platform that people run on. So yes, so this is so under that uh, that definition of industry, that's rich tech. It is, and it's. Richer pretty than modern. Amazon, which I wasn't pretty, expecting. Pretty modern. Yep. Yep. Rich tech. Okay. So industry, rich tech. Uh, next, let's go to employees. All right. What type of labor does Alibaba depend on? Genies, Johnny. It depends on genies. Yes. Get it? Alibaba? Genies. That wasn't the same story, by the way. <laughs> What's it called? Open Sesame and uh, Open Sesame. They have, a bunch and, of, uh, they have a bunch of Aladdins that they've been... Uh, uh, What's the word? Curating? Yes. So yes, they're employees. Uh, software engineers? Yeah, software engineers, product managers, designers, UI, the whole full stack set of employees you need to have to run a website. Mm -hmm. Alrighty then. Uh, and that is of course, no manual labor involved in that. Outside of, you know, if the day that, the day that my software engineers start talking to me about that coding is manual labor, will be the day that I need, that I know I've done something wrong to the culture of my team. But uh, yeah, so wages and benefits, I mean, standard so wages and benefits for software engineers, upwards right, mobility. Uh, yeah, upwards mobility, we've seen people right, uh, rise up in this company yeah. and we've seen They're, people come in from others. So uh, Jack, uh, we didn't even get to this, but Jack Ma is no longer the CEO of Alibaba Group. Oh, he hasn't been there for a while. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to remember, uh, hold on, let me, really? Hold on. Daniel? You're thinking of Daniel? Uh, Daniel, but also, let me see. Joe Sai, uh, the Nets, yes. the owner of the Nets. Yes. Um, Daniel, the chairman, the current chairman, he actually, um, yeah, yeah. So he wasn't the original president. One of the earlier founders, uh, Jin something is. It was uh, a, yes, Jonathan preceded by Jin Lu. Yeah, Daniel was the CEO of Talbot originally. Right. 
Right. Um, but yeah, so it's clear that uh, Alibaba has a history of, you know, having people from outside the company join both in leadership in leadership roles and climb up to become, you know, executive chairman, president. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah. So, yeah, upwards mobility for sure. All right. So employees. Rich tech. Rich tech. Rich tech. All right, Johnny. Now let's go to uh, customers and stakeholders. As a customer, can you use Alibaba in order to generate wealth for yourself? Absolutely. And you can also go broke for yourself by buying a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. But if you're a, a bot, if you're a seller, you can make money. I was about to say, if you're, you're a bot, <laughs> you're a, I know what Johnny's been doing this week. But yes, if you're a manufacturer, if you have this, you use the Alibaba, AliExpress, uh, Taobao, Tmall, all these, all these different systems in order can, to generate wealth. I couldn't find the PlayStation on Amazon, so I've been lurking around Alibaba. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, they're with closer. That, they're closer to where they're manufactured, right? So. Good luck with that, Johnny. Uh, so yeah, so for customers and shareholders. Um, and wealth generation. Yeah, that's another rich tech. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even if you look at it, right, uh, it started at import export, and that was kind of the initial vision that Jack Ma presented to his uh, 17 co-founders. Mm -hmm. um, import export is historically a rich business, right? Johnny, our final pillar. All right, Johnny, contribution to the society. Yeah, who does generate wealth for directly? Yes. Uh, as we mentioned, as we mentioned, it's shareholders. Yep. Founders. Manufacturers. Employees. Vendors. Employ vendors. Uh, yeah, employees. Small businesses. Yep. That have been enabled. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and again, we're not even touching on Alipay. Ali so yeah, I was going to say, not even that. touching on Alipay, because if we talked this about Alipay, just, then it's mom and pop shops. Yeah, yeah. But no, no, this is just... Alibaba and its companies that have nothing yep. are separate from Ant Group. Yep. As was as would have happened earlier last year. As may or may not happen in the in the next uh, in the next yes. few months. But for the purpose of this podcast, we're treating them as both as separate entities. So yeah. I I mean yes, it generates wealth for a a wide group of society, right? Employees, founders, executives, uh, shareholders, and people who use the platform, right, to sell stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, rich tech as well. So Johnny, final verdict for Alibaba. We had employees, rich tech, industry, rich tech. Um, what was I about to say? Uh, what's it called? Customer wealth generation, rich tech, overall societal contribution, rich tech. So verdict, final verdict for rich tech, poor tech. Alibaba is Very a clean well. sweep, rich tech company. Moving on, ideas of the week. Do you got a pitch for Alibaba, Johnny? For the company that does everything, what could they be doing? Pitch an idea to the company. Okay, Michael, this is how, how do they expand? They need to get into the African market. Okay. African market is- That the, makes sense. Okay, now that, that keeps, makes sense. I can see that. Everyone keeps saying it's the next growth market. Mm -hmm. uh, I know they have a VCR, but I don't think they've been as, um, what's the word? As adventurous as their 10 cent brother mm -hmm. in, in, in investing across the world. So I think definitely mm -hmm. getting into some of the underserved markets is interesting. Maybe that will alleviate some of the U.S. troubles that they have. No, I like the idea of okay, you have to you have to get into the African continent. Okay, how? 
Uh, um, you follow Stripe. You buy your way through. Uh, Johnny is a proponent of Johnny is a proponent of the continued economic colonialism of Africa. But yeah, I mean, they're already like owning all this thing through the debt trap. Um, I mean, the most sincere thing they could do is actually be like a VC and invest in some startups and then potentially acquire or partner up with them and help them grow. They have obviously a lot of knowledge on how to scale. I think that'd be really important to share without being like, we're going to own you. That'd be, I would say, I think the most sincere thing I'd like to see from Alibaba. <laughs> I would say go be the cloud provider of, uh, of Africa. But yeah, actually, that's a good point. Be, be the cloud provider because Amazon, despite having, I think, a prototype EC2 in South Africa with some of their engineers, it took them like at least 10 years to put out an African uh, data center. It's actually really embarrassing when you actually look at the number of, data, of AWS data centers across the, the world and you're like, um, so you have one in South Africa. And I don't think uh, Microsoft or or Google Cloud or that any better with regards to that. So yeah, uh, you're right, I mean, that's they, a good point. Alibaba, there you go. This is why, Michael, we should go work for Alibaba International and be uh -huh. strategists to expand their ideas. There you go. This is, uh -huh. we're always, ideas of the week are our way of pitching ourselves, how valuable we are. Okay. But yes, yeah, so we, we will go and build out Alibaba Cloud in the African continent. Okay, no, I like that idea. Right, it's, that's a good idea. Africa's the next, generation of entrepreneurs why don't we enable them and be that literally the railway that's much better than your original idea of uh, economic colonialism but anyways anyways all right then that's an episode that's an episode. so with that being said you've been listening to another episode of the silicon show podcast have a wonderful week and stay safe out there